0: We are joined by the Reverend Andrew Avazian. We want to talk with the Reverend about this, the First Amendment to the United States Constitution, which begins this way. Congress, and by extension that means all governments, including state, local. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech, which includes the freedom to not have to engage in compelled speech. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Reverend Andrew Vazian, thank you so much for being with us today. You gave the The benediction at the recent swearing-in of all the Northampton elected officials, I want to ask you about that. I want to ask you about the separation and the wall of separation between church and state. But for those who are listening who perhaps did not hear or read your benediction, in order to get a flavor of what it said and to know its content, could you share it with us?
1: Sure, and I'm delighted to be here with Bill and Buzz. I'm always delighted to be here. Yes, I was asked to <clears throat> offer the benediction, <clears throat> pardon me, at the inauguration, um, and I'm so sorry. <clears throat> That's and, okay, while
0: you're down, and explain, what's a benediction as opposed di- to an invocation?
1: And A benediction is the closing charge or the closing words that seal or end a often religious service. An invocation is technically invoking the presence of the divine. Now, uh, the invocation was offered at the inauguration by Rabbi Jacob Fine of Congregation B'nai Israel, who did a beautiful job. We have a hard task, us religious leaders. I was there in my collar and my clerical collar, and we are expected to be inspiring, uplifting, even reverential— but not religious, and it is a it's it's a real challenge. And I've done these for ten years: the invocation or the benediction. So, although they're short, they take forever to write.
0: <laughs> I, explain this. You just ex- <laughs> define for us invocation and benediction. They both seem to have uh, their roots and their purpose uh, in, in religion.
1: Absolutely. In my Christian faith, they absolutely, we have an invocation and a benediction every Sunday at my church in Springfield. So they absolutely are rooted in the liturgy for a Christian worship service.
0: Could you read the benediction so we can all experience that with you?
1: Yes, thank you. The benediction at the inauguration, Northampton, January 2024. Go from this place filled with gratitude that there are fine and strong individuals in our community willing to lead in this beautiful but broken world. Go from this place knowing that you cannot be righteous every minute of every day, but that should not prevent you from trying. Go from this place knowing that when you are wrestling with an ethical issue or a thorny decision, divine messages may arrive in the night when you cannot sleep. Go from this place remembering the words of author Margaret Wheatley, who writes, Whatever the problem, community is the answer. (coughs) Go from this place recognizing that we can both push and protect our community leaders. Go from this place believing the words in the book of Genesis, You were made in the image of God. Go from this place inspired by the goodness you have witnessed here today, the willingness to serve evident in these radiant faces, and the hope we now feel for a bright future in a city we love. Go from this place knowing that when we pull together, miracles, small and large, may appear. Go now, strengthened, encouraged, and empowered to make change and good trouble in this our beloved community. Go now in peace. Amen.
0: Well, amen to that. How is it not religious in some ways? I understand you're not saying through Jesus Christ our Lord, you're you're not invoking uh, uh, any of the great prophets or any of the major religions, but it sounds religious to me, although less... uh, less Christian than many uh, invocations and benedictions that I've heard in public places over the years. Uh, what do you say that to this, well, it is
2: uh, it is religious? and Right. I, let me just supplement Bill's question, because uh, I heard the word divine once. I heard a reference to the book of Genesis. I heard the God invoked. So how is that um, speaking to someone who might be an atheist who'd run for office and, and won that office,
1: you know, you two are the lawyers. I am a person of faith and clergy who is asked to offer a benediction, and that's the word they use. They don't say closing words. They don't say for the invocation opening words. So I wrestle with being true to me in my calling. I'm invited to wear my clerical clothing, and this is as. Um,
2: it's a beautiful message.
1: It's a it tries to be reverential, without being too overtly religious. Um, you know, now people talk about being spiritual but not religious. Well, clergy are both. I mean, it's not a binary di- bifurcation. And so, yes, Buzz is exactly right. I refer to the Book of Genesis, which is in the Hebrew Scriptures. So I'm not referring to the New Testament. I referred to righteousness. I referred to divine messages coming in the night. They asked me to come and be me, and I am honoring that, bringing my questions and my reservations. I think people want a moment where folks feel reverential, quiet, introspective, inspired. And so I try to do that. Is it violating the separation of church and state? It may be, and I have done this for 10 years.
0: Yeah, I don't think as a legal matter, given that there have been uh, uh, officials who have presided over the uh, religious figures who have presided in uh, the Congress for uh, centuries, uh, no one's going to find that this is a violation of separation of church and state, uh, and there are ceremonial exceptions uh, that are uh, near and dear to the Supreme Court's heart where they say... It's not really religious;
2: it's only religious. I mean, it's it's just utter legal gobbledygook. But that's what they say. Bill, uh, you suggested that we were going to be talking about this, and and suggested that perhaps I look into it. I have a very short history to say that on September seventh of seventeen seventy four, the first the Continental Congress began with a prayer by a rector, an Episcopal rector in Philadelphia, and that was beginning of a prayer practice in Congress that continues to today. In 1789, the first Congress under the new Constitution passed a resolution to continue that practice, and on May uh, in May of 1789, the House voted to appoint a Presbyterian as the first chaplain. For 230 years, Congress has named a chaplain. At the beginning of every Congress, there's been a total of 62 chaplains, uh, Reverend Evazian, and all 62 have been Christians. There have been 11 denominations of Christianity represented— but all 62 have been Christians. There's been no term limit for them, and they lead the chambers in a prayer to open every session. They do a benediction, not as beautiful as yours, but they do a benediction. They conduct Sunday services. They do weddings and funerals for uh, congressional members, but it is part is woven into the fabric of what Congress is from the beginning. And the Supreme Court says, well— the, the elected representatives can attend,
0: they cannot attend, they can be there, not be there, it's up to them, no one's being forced to participate in religion, therefore there's
1: no violation of separation
0: of church and state. I just work here.
1: Uh. You know, it would be very moving if Congress began with a whole team of religious people up front. So there was an imam and a rabbi, someone representing the Hindu faith, the Baha'i faith, somebody even from the pagan Wiccan tradition, somebody from the Buddhist tradition. So if there was a whole team of people, I would be much more comfortable with this. Often when I start my benedictions or my invocations, I didn't this time two weeks ago, but often I say, oh, holy one, known to, mu- known to us by so many different names, revealed to us in so many different ways, trying to be inclusive from the outset trying to almost suggest an interfaith approach. Um, But it would be great if they had an imam or a rabbi or uh, people of other faiths and denominations and religious traditions up front in Congress. Of course, there would be a backlash, and there would be—because there's such Christian hegemony, and there is such entitlement in the Christian community, believing that our presence, Christian presence, needs to begin and close— ceremonial events and gatherings. And so Christian supremacy or hegemony is so dominant in this country.
2: It's so interesting that you say that. um, Bill and I, we do this Have Faith segment, as you well know. You're an important part of it, uh, um, on Thursdays. And uh, various clerics have first, second, third, fourth Thursday. But four times this year in 2024, there will be a fifth. So we are going to, during those four times, have an atheist and I learned, didn't know this, Gregory Epstein is right now the president of the 11 chaplains at Harvard University. Those 11 are exactly as you just described. They are imams, they are rabbis from various different faiths and denominations. And he, as an atheist, an avowed atheist, is the president of the chaplains, there to administer to those people who want spiritual guidance, who don't happen to believe in God. I think it's wonderful and fascinating.
1: I think it's wonderful and fascinating, too. Years ago, I was on the um, Mount Holyoke College campus. I was there for a decade, and I was dean of religious life. When I arrived and was appointed dean of religious life, there were three chaplains, a Catholic woman leader, a rabbi, and me as a Protestant. When I left, 10 years later, there were nine active faith groups, and each one had a chaplain. So when I left, there was a Hindu chaplain, there was an imam, there was a rabbi, there was a a Buddhist chaplain, there were nine active faith groups. And it was actually that the atheist students came to me as dean and said, what about us? What about us? And you know what, this was years ago for me, and I was sort of caught off guard. What about us? So what Harvard has done... Um, in the wake of the what I think is a very grave misstep with Gay. what Harvard has done here is a very is a, is a good thing.
0: We are speaking with the Reverend Andrea Vazian about separation of church and state here in the valley, in Northampton, and in municipalities up and down the river. We'll be right back.
1: More talk the talk coming up right here on WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP.
0: (laughs) We continue our conversation with Reverend Andrea Avazian, who is a member of the senior pastoral team at the Alden Baptist Church in Springfield, longtime minister uh, in various congregations here in the Valley. We have been talking to her about her benediction at the recent swearing-in of all the Northampton elected officials and... While we were off air, Buzz, you shared a story that I would appreciate if you would share with those who are with us today.
2: Well, I've been moderator of the town of Ashfield for almost a quarter of a century. And when I first came in, um, I was a town meeting junkie. I came to every town meeting and before becoming moderator. And I was always struck and somewhat offended because every town meeting, particularly the av- annual town meetings, opened with uh, an invocation to uh, mentioning Jesus Christ. It it would a few different denominations of pastors. Uh, I never saw a rabbi, Uh, and every time that happened, I felt like, do they really want me here? Do I belong here? Uh, But this is my town. So when I became moderator, I eliminated that practice, and instead, the invocation, if you want to call it that, was a five-minute statement by someone from the community, a leader of the community, one sector or another to talk about what we'd accomplished since our last town meeting, and by um, reciting and and remembering the, the list of people who had died since our last town meeting, and I replaced the religious invocation with that. It, all my years, which 20 whatever it is, three or four years as moderator, the only real controversy I remember, and it was only a few people, it was like four people, uh, they resented the fact that I'd eliminated that invocation. Uh, uh, Reverend Avazian, now I know, I want to do point out that your benediction was, a, the message was just beautiful, and the fact that you were true to yourself by a few references to God and Genesis and divine goes with it's, goes with the job, doesn't it?
1: And you know, your story, Buzz, is such an example of Christian entitlement and Christian hegemony. That Christians don't question that they have, that we have a right to be upfront in offering an invocation. That for all those years nobody said, but we're a pluralist religiously, religiously pluralistic nation. And this
0: is a secular event.
1: And this is a secular event, and we're invoking Jesus Christ. What about all the Jewish members? What about all the Hindu and the Buddhist and the Muslim members? So you did a brave thing. I'm not surprised there were pushback. I think that's a very important story.
0: So how do you reconcile all this for yourself, Reverend Andrea Vazian? You've, I think, articulated extremely well what the various uh, conflicts are, what the different currents are that run within you in in creating and writing an invocation or a benediction. How do you resolve it?
1: You know, I wrestle with it. I am also very happy to say that in years past, in the many of the um, inaugurations and swearing in that I've done, both in Hampshire County and in Franklin County, we used to have me do the invocation and the benediction. Now at least there is some interfaith presence because we have a a rabbi or a Jewish religious leader offering either the invocation or the benediction. I wrestle I work very hard with my wording. I also show it to my, I show my words to an interfaith group and say, is this okay? So I have readers and voters and and supporters and critics. Um, And I continue to say yes, because I think that this, and I've used the word before, a sense of the reverential, something inspiring, something that sets the tone, that we're maybe in the presence of something larger than ourselves that that is happening at these ceremonies. I want to be a part of it and I think it brings something. But I wrestle with my wording and I choose every word with great care.
0: Was your benediction well received by the recently elected now sworn in officials in Northampton?
1: Apparently so. I mean, people don't run up to you at coffee hour and say that's most... High five, high five, great benediction, okay. What is funny that happens is that afterwards people do not know after the final amen if they should clap. So there's (laughs) applause and then there's not applause and then they stop and then they sit on their hands and I just kind of take my seat again. I think it was well received apparently, I hope so.
2: I, I, I think everyone who knows you knows... Uh, that, that inclusivity is your middle name, and, and how much you welcome pluralism in our secular and religious uh, frameworks.
1: And so, with that, I'm going to say bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Can we get an amen? Can we get an amen? <laughs>
0: amen. Right. Thank you, Reverend Andrea Lazing. We'll really very appreciate much. your insights today.
1: Thank you so much.